0: Support for the Trailblazers.fm podcast comes from the Campaign for Black Male Achievement, a supportive and uplifting network of leaders and organizations across the country committed to building beloved communities for black men and boys and helping them achieve their fullest potential. I invite you to join this vibrant network of leaders and organizations that are working on the ground to drive positive outcomes for our black men and boys. To learn more, or to join and help CBME change the narrative, hop on over right now to tvpod.com slash achievement. You're
1: listening to the Trailblazers podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host,
0: Stephen Hart. What's up, Blazer Nation? Welcome to today's episode. We've got another amazing conversation for you. I'm talking with Patrice Washington. She's a nationally recognized, best-selling author, Transformational speaker and a leading authority on personal finance, entrepreneurship, and successful women and youth. Nationally, Patrice is known as America's money maven, and she's had tremendous success with her money mindset approach to personal finance. She's committed to redefining the term wealth. Now, Today, Patrice's wisdom on money matters has been tapped as a recurring voice by national brands such as NBC, Fox News, Black Enterprise, Essence, and so many more, right? And she's most known as the personal finance voice of the top-rated and nationally syndicated Steve Harvey morning radio show, where she hosts her own weekly segment, Real Money Answers with Patrice Washington. Each year, Patrice electrifies tens of thousands of as a sought-after speaker, and she speaks in colleges, churches, conferences, all over the country, and has shared a stage with renowned speakers such as Lisa Nichols, Leila Ali, Paul C. Brunson, and Steve Harvey. And most recently, she appeared on Centric TV's The Round, delivering a dynamic and empowering talk on success. In today's conversation, Patrice and I discuss the truth about wealth, and why wealth is so much more than money. If this is your first time listening to the Trailblazers podcast, I want to welcome you. I am so happy you have decided to join us on this conversation today. We've actually been in a series on building generational wealth. And we started that off at the beginning of this year with a conversation we had with John Rogers Jr., who's the CEO of Ariel Investments. Terrific conversation. And right through, we've had some powerful conversations in a series that I would invite you to go back after you've listened to our conversation here with Patrice today, and fill up on some of this practical wisdom within the series that began back at episode 101 and coming forward to this episode now. Lastly, before we jump into our conversation here, I just wanted to give a quick shout out, a big up (laughs) to Julian Hayes II and and Daryl Young Jr., who both left us a couple dope reviews and five-star ratings over on Apple Podcasts. Daryl, actually, his review read, this show is truly inspirational and much needed. The speakers are dynamic and insightful and the host knows how to carry a conversation I appreciate the diversity of feels and experiences that are represented on the show. It really is motivational mission fuel. Daryl and Julian, thank you so much. I appreciate you, my brothers, for the kind reviews. And I encourage everyone in our Blazer Nation to leave us a review and a rating over on Apple Podcasts right now and tell us why you love the Trailblazers.fm podcast. And so that said, let's go ahead and get set to dive in and receive today's mission fuel from our featured Trailblazer. Patrice Washington. Enjoy. Patrice, welcome to Trailblazers.fm. Thank you so much for being here.
1: I'm so happy to be here. You know, I I manifested this opportunity, <laughs> right? <laughs> after listening to your podcast, after finding you on iTunes, I was like, I'm gonna be on there one day. And then lo and behold, yes, here we are. Yes,
0: yes. So I'll come clean, <laughs> you know, and admit that I only learned about you a couple months ago. Since then, mm-hmm. though, I've become a super fan, binging on your content <laughs> as much as time allows me. And, you know, after have share with you, I know you position your content more so to the women, but I find your message very inspiring. And, you know, having listened to your message, I know that you, you are definitely a woman who expresses gratitude frequently. And so yeah. I was thinking that, you know, we could kick things off by having you share an unexpected blessing in your life that, or maybe even in your business. That you're grateful for right now,
1: an unexpected blessing. Well, I will say, just this morning, I had a call that ended up leading to like 13 speaking engagements this year so far. And you know, one of the things that I share on my podcast is that there's always someone watching you who has the power to bless you. And you know, it's just about showing up. You know, I interviewed um, Paul Brunson. I'm sure you're familiar with Paul, and. Yeah, I love Paul. And we were just talking about at one point that sometimes people are so consumed, especially in this day and age with social media, they're so consumed with the number of followers or the number of, you know, whatever, whoever's watching or the number of comments. But it's not so much about the quantity as it is the quality. And it's like who's watching. And one of the things Paul talked about was the fact that. You know, he didn't have a lot of people watching him on YouTube, but it just so happens that someone from OWN Mm -hmm. was watching him when he got his deal with Oprah. And I've been getting that lesson over and over again, like that confirmation and affirmation has been just coming over and over again, where it's not about being in competition or comparing yourself to Everyone else in your space or, you know, what is this podcaster doing? Or for me, what is this person in personal finance doing? Or, you know, what is this woman who has a lifestyle brand doing? It's about just showing up every day, being the best that you can be and just trusting that as you put forth your best, you know, God is going to do the rest. And I just stand in that every day. And then, yeah. So today I had an unexpected blessing. I thought the young lady was calling me about one speaking engagement and it turned out to be potentially 13. Wow. 3 guaranteed and like literally throughout the day we've been emailing back and forth about the other 10. So who knows where it's going to land, but yeah. I just I really do. Everything I talk about on the podcast is what I really do live and I just stand on that that there's always someone watching you as a power to bless you.
0: It's funny you said that. That's one of my I love hearing you say that in your podcast. <laughs> I know have you shared that here with our Blazonation. So, you know, for those who are listening who are maybe not as familiar with Patrice and, and your story, you're known as America's money maven. You're a nationally recognized best selling author. You're a transformational speaker. You're a podcaster now. And there's so many other titles, right? To your credit. Yeah. But you're also an amazing wife to Gerald and yes. the world's best mom ever to your daughter. <laughs>
1: I definitely try.
0: Patrice, how do you describe yourself when you're outside the business world? Maybe you're you're at one of Reagan's games or you're hanging out with friends. (laughs) How do you tell people about Patrice and what you do?
1: I always say that, you know, my mission, I feel like I'm really here just to restore hope to people in the area of personal finance, but really in their lives as a whole. And I always just use my own testimony To help do that. And I see that as the entryway. But as you can tell from listening to my podcast, I'm more than money. And it took me a while to really embrace that, you know? And so when people ask me, what do I do? I'm like, I'm just here to restore hope. (laughs) Like, that's it. I'm here to share my story and say, if it happened for me, it can happen for you because I'm not special. And I don't believe that God is any respecter of person. I think that the laws and the principles are universal. And if we work them, they'll work for us. And so I'm just here to kind of underscore that message. But you really, even when I'm at a game or when I'm at something, to your point, I'm Gerald's wife and Reagan's mom first, you know, and it's funny because sometimes people will recognize me. Like, I just went to a birthday party the other day and the man was like hugging the birthday woman, you know, and he looked and he's like, were you on the Steve Harvey show? (laughs) Like, he wasn't even, I was like, dude, finish your happy birthday, like speech. (laughs) Like, yeah, but you know, I'm here to support my girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like, I'm very grateful for what I get to do, but I really don't do it for that purpose. Like, I feel like God put it on my heart to get a message out to the masses and I'm willing to do that by whatever means, you know, come to me that are in alignment and in integrity with who I am. But I'm not heart pressed for that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not one of those people who are like, oh, let me tell you about me.
0: <laughs> I don't really care for that. Uh, and I connect to that in such a big way. So, you know, the thing I love, and for, for everyone listening, first off, Patrice has a podcast called Redefining Wealth, right? Yeah, Redefining Wealth. You guys have to subscribe to her podcast. I'm geeked out about her content. She's amazing on it. The first five or six episodes, she goes in and opens up about her personal issues. And one of the things I love that you poured into was your own self-confidence and self-worth challenges. And you talked about not Mm -hmm. being able to look at yourself in the mirror till you're 25. And I have to commend you for the transparency that, you know, and you're being so open in sharing that because I can only imagine the the women that would have been impacted by you being so open about that struggle of yours growing up. And you know, as I process that, I wonder how you go about cultivating a belief, like a hundred percent belief in yourself today on all sides. Cause there's not just a switch that you flipped and now you're fine, right? No process, right? And and it's on all sides, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. So how do you go about doing that?
1: Well, you know what? When I committed to doing Redefining Wealth, I was very clear that it could not be another personal finance show just about money, right? Because I don't even believe that personal finance or wealth building is all about money. It's so much about... More parts of who we are. And the reason that people chase money unsuccessfully is because they don't take the time to cultivate these other areas. And so, if you're going to teach from that perspective, you can't be surface, you know? Like, I just felt like you can't be like, oh, look at me going from glory to glory and mountain to mountain without really opening up and sharing how you've overcome these different areas to build the wealth or success that you have. And so, you know, the first pillar in redefining wealth, as you know, is about being fit and it's about becoming your best self. And what you basically alluded to is where I talk about the fact that in order to build wealth, so many of us don't recognize that our fitness plays a big piece because we're praying for God to enlarge our territory and we're praying for more money and more success and possessions or more of whatever you're asking for. But a lot of us you know, are not protecting the vessels. Like in doing that, we're on this, you know, hustle and grind and work 24 seven and we don't sleep, we don't rest. We don't take care of ourselves. We don't eat well. And it's like, how can you expect to walk into such a big vision if you're not protecting the vessel that's needed to get to the vision? And, you know, that's not about being skinny because I've been relatively thin my whole life Mm -hmm. and had high blood pressure. And a bunch of other stuff I couldn't even pronounce to you at this point, you know, like I learned about all kinds of things that had nothing to do with my weight, but I was sick inside because I wasn't taking care of myself. And, you know, one day I just woke up, like I got the audacity to keep praying for this, you know, national book tour and I'm praying for this and praying for that. And I can't get up and down Mm -hmm. the stairs without huffing and puffing, like real talk, you know, and Yeah, I look great in skinny jeans, but so what? (laughs) Like, what does that matter in the big scheme of things? And so I realized what an issue that is for so many of us, especially for entrepreneurs and those of us who are blazing different trails. We get caught up in that and then we don't take care of ourselves. And not only physically, but also mentally. And one of the biggest things that I credit with my success today was going to sit on a couch and talk to someone about my childhood trauma And I tell people all the time that it doesn't matter how much education you have, how smart you are, what school you went to, what degree you have, you know, how many wonderful jobs you've had, you will continue to sabotage your own success and ability to build wealth if you do not deal with some of your trauma. Like some of the things we sweep it under the rug, Stephen, and we make it so normal. But a lot of this stuff is not normal. You know what I mean? You're hurting and you don't understand why you show up in the world the way you do. And it's not about having another degree. It's about getting some therapy. And, you know, I'm a believer and I believe you can pray all day and God, God can send you a therapist that can really help you in the natural. And I don't take that for granted. So when I look at my life now, When I look at being on the Steve Harvey show or Dr. Oz or all these, you know, shows that I've been blessed to be on, or I look at four books with my face on it or being able to stand on stages and speak to hundreds and thousands of people at a time, like I would not be able to do that had I not dealt with the fact that I grew up feeling very ugly because I was told by people in my family that I was ugly. I was the one that was too dark. I was too tall, was too thin. My lips were too full. My nose was too flat. Like, you know... Everything that could be wrong was wrong with me. And I was a little girl trying to scrub the darkness off of my skin. And so it's my husband between my husband, who was then my boyfriend and therapy that I really learned to embrace what I look like and love myself because I was created in God's image and understand that God didn't make a mistake on me. And had I not embraced that, I couldn't be America's money maven. How could I? How could I get on TV and allow for the possibility of millions of people, you know, to have something to say? Because, you know, in social media now, they're quick to talk about you, right? It's like, how can you stand in that? But I had to deal with that in order for me to have the success I have today. And so I wanted to be transparent and say that because, you know, I just spoke down in Miami at Alonzo Mornings Foundation to about 400 young people. And when I shared that, I can't tell you how many young women, this is ninth to 12th grade, lined up. I had little girls coming to me crying, mm. saying, I would never believe that you felt ugly. Like, as soon as you came out, I thought you were so pretty. Or I thought you were beautiful. And so it's so important for us as women, especially women of color, to share those stories and teach you know, younger women on how they can overcome that or just know that they're not alone.
0: Yes. You know, as you touch on that, we have, we're, coming up on Black History Month and Women's History Month, right. Right, both fast approaching, and I'd love to have you share maybe what it means and what it feels like to be a black woman in 2018.
1: Mm, man, well, I will say this. You couldn't have told me in 2000 that we would still be having so many of the discussions we're having today. Yes. Like I just I couldn't have imagined as the mother of a 10-year-old beautiful brown little girl, that I would still have to have conversations with her about colorism or that I would have to explain to her why her hair is just beautiful, you know, as it is, you know, it's like for all the advances we've made in education and entrepreneurship, we have so much healing to still do. And as a black woman, I feel like it's my responsibility and it's my duty to remind brown women that they are beautiful. And I don't mean just girls, I mean, grown women Who don't feel beautiful no matter what they post on social media, you know, no matter what the Instagram picture says. So much of what we see is because we're craving the validation and affirmation of people that we don't even know because we don't get it on the inside that we were created in God's image. And so, you know, as a black woman, I'm proud to be a black woman. I'm so grateful for the skin that I am in today. I'm grateful for the opportunities that I've been afforded, but I also you know, just turned down an opportunity because hmm. I just turned down an opportunity because I was not going to stand anymore, Stephen, for showing up as a brilliant black woman and being partnered with mediocre white women. And that was a stand that I took for myself because my daughter is watching. And my daughter, you know, I just posted something about this on Instagram the other day. I said, sometimes I say no to opportunities that seem great to other people. Because I have a beautiful little brown girl that's watching and she needs to know that she means something, that she matters, that her worth matters, and that we don't do stuff just because. I don't believe in chasing money. I chase purpose. I don't believe in just chasing opportunities just to say I did it. I chase what feels right in my spirit, what feels right in my heart. And so as a Black woman, it's really frustrating that I do believe what my grandma used to say, unfortunately, still today, that we have to work twice as hard you know, to have, to be on the same stages, to have some of the same opportunities. But if more of us took a stand and said, no, I'm not going for that BS, then, you know, I feel like that's my responsibility to the women, you know, not only who are coming behind me, but who are parallel to me in this industry. That if more of us said no and stopped taking BS, then more of us could get ahead. But you know, you can't talk everyone into that. But I'm not responsible for everyone. You know, I can only do my part. Yeah. So there's so much work to do. You couldn't have told me, you know, when I was 18 years old that this is what we would still be dealing with.
0: And you know, you touched on it. I mean, our work begins and ends at home, right? That's something Sean Dove planted in me. You know, and so your work, your number one mission is to pour into your daughter. And, I, you know, I can connect to that so well because my daughter, Layla is seven going on eight. And mm-hmm. I find some of, of that happening right now where, you know, I'm having to constantly remind her that, you know, she's confident and she's smart and she's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate you sharing that for both sides, both for our girls as well as for our women and our wives our moms and -hmm. and our colleagues, right?
1: And you know what, Stephen, I don't have a little boy. The desire of my heart is to have a little boy, but I will say too that a lot of times we have these conversations and they're skewed towards little girls, but I also believe that little brown boys (laughs) definitely need That affirmation, they need to know that their stuff is special too. And by stuff, you know what I mean? Like that they are also the prize and that they should be valued and respected and they should also carry themselves, you know, with respect. And so, I mean, I'm down for brown children. Like I'm down for all brown children. And I can't say that I grew up in a very intentional home, but I do always try to encourage any parent under the sound of my voice to just be intentional about how you love on brown babies. Don't assume that they know. Don't assume that they know they're beautiful. Don't assume that they know they're brilliant. You know, don't assume that they know how powerful they are and don't assume that they understand that there's going to be people who don't like them just because of their anointing and they have to be prepared on how to deal with that. And that doesn't mean engaging in people's drama, but even teaching them how powerful Mm. silence can be, you know, because I speak in schools all the time and I see just unnecessary fights, you know, between young people and and folks are like, oh, well, you know, you know, that's just how it is. That's how it goes. It's like, no, if we were being more intentional with teaching our kids that that's not even necessary, that doesn't have to just be what it is. You know
0: what I mean? Yes. Wow. So listen, let's flip the script here. I wanted us to spend a few minutes (laughs) talking about and discussing the truth about wealth. And, you know, from this conversation started, I've been a little bit nervous, if you will, because there is some things in here that let me just (laughs) go on. You know, I want to invite you to help us reframe and redefine our mindset towards wealth. Mm -hmm. In preparation for the episode, you shared with me that you really wanted people to know that wealth is more than money and that what we should be striving for is well-being and that money is going to become the byproduct. And because I know what I just said might be missed, let me go ahead and restate this. So everyone listening, let me your undivided ear for just a minute. I need you to truly process Patrice's statement. Wealth is more than money. And what we need to be striving for is well-being and allowing the money to become the byproduct. And Patrice, hang with me for a second. I know you'll be able to relate when you hear someone you never heard speak before and your spirit immediately receives them in. A month or so ago, I listened to an interview you did with my dear friend and our past guest, Tiffany Sutherland, and I connected to your story and your message. Because I have my own version Mm -hmm. of your story. And you and I have so much in common. I heard you share recently that you just celebrated 10 years of marriage. Yeah, you're
1: right behind me. I'm approaching
0: 10 years here in a second. We're both of Caribbean descent. (laughs) We both had a past in mortgages Mm -hmm. and real estate. And unfortunately, we share this common thread of both having our deepest, darkest valleys around that time of the Great Recession and Having that happen after having a taste of money and the material things at a young age. Mm -hmm. And Patrice, I personally, I went from the highest of my highs in June of 08 when we got married to within weeks after our wedding, having my business collapse. And I remember the worst Mm -hmm. of those days being weeks after we had a delayed honeymoon and we prepaid for like this $15,000 cruise in French Polynesia. And we're on this amazing cruise through all these Polynesian islands, and I'm droning in sorrows. I'm on meds. I'm up mm-hmm. most mornings at 3 a.m. talking to attorneys on the East Coast and just praying for away way out. And in that experience, I lost millions. I lost all the material things. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I kept the majority of the debts, right? Leverage, everything in the business. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so... I went from flying super high to my lowest of lows, and I had to ask my new bride, I struggle every time I talk about this, who just months prior, I'd promised a million dollar brownstone. Now I had to ask her to cover rent for a few months, Mm -hmm. which turned into years before I was truly back on my feet. And I never experienced anything like that before, thankfully, none after. And it's never easy to share this story, but I share that because from that lowest point in that darkest valley, I learned some life lessons. And mm-hmm. one of those life lessons connects to that statement I mm-hmm. shared. So apologize for ranting for five minutes, but mm-hmm. it's really important mm-hmm. for me to share my testimony no. here
1: mm-hmm.
0: because today my well-being is so much more important than money. And Patrice, today... My self-worth is so much more than my net worth. And my wealth today is in God's Mm. promises. My wealth today is in my wife, who stopped by me in that darkest valley. I went on to bless me by making me a father to two amazing little people. And my wealth is in these conversations that you and I would have and that would go on to impact people in countries that we will probably never visit, right, through this podcast, right? And so <laughs> I ran for five minutes with a full heart and I'm fighting back the tears, but I'd love you to share because you have a very powerful <laughs> proverb 17 turning point. And I'd love to just invite you to impart mm-hmm, to our blazing mm-hmm. what you mean when you say wealth is more than money and maybe share your truths about wealth.
1: Yeah. I mean, first of all, thank you for sharing that testimony. You're talking about you're fighting back tears. like. I can't really tell my story, even though I've told it on national television and national radio and I tell it on the podcast. And if anyone gets close enough and talks to me long enough, they're going to hear it because I really believe that I'm only here because of my testimony. And I think about, you know, around that same time when. Like you, we had lost everything and our 6,000 square foot home foreclosed in Southern California. And we ended up in this 600 square foot box in Metairie, Louisiana. And my husband had taken my daughter out. And I found myself on the floor, Stephen, bawling and crying and asking God, why me? Like, what have I done? I've been a good person. And I have operated in integrity. I have treated people fairly. I tried to do everything the quote unquote right way. Like, how did I get here? And Mm -hmm. that was that still small voice that told me to reach for my Bible. And I found, I mean, I think it found me actually. It wasn't like there was nothing in particular that I was looking for. I literally felt that nudge to reach for my Bible and I just opened it. And my eyes fell to Proverbs 17, 16. And it said, what good is money? In the hands of a fool, if Mm. they had no desire to seek wisdom, what good is money in the hands of a fool? If they had no desire to seek wisdom. And that thing just hit me. It's like, you know, you read something before and it had like no meaning to you or totally like irrelevant. And then you read it again from a different perspective, perhaps down on your face. And all of a sudden it actually opens something up for you in that moment. I started to really pick apart, you know, seek wisdom. What does that mean? Like seek wisdom. I'm like, but I'm smart. But I went to University of Southern California, <laughs> like, and I got a business degree and I emphasized in entrepreneurial studies. And I started this business at twenty one years old during my senior year in college. And I passed my broker's exam on the first try when on average it takes people three times. And I start going through all this stuff. And the Holy Spirit was like, No, 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 you're confusing knowledge with wisdom. Not the same education with wisdom and wisdom is about the application of knowledge. Do you know when and where and how to use what you know? And what God showed me in that moment and the next day and the days that followed as I really like took all this in was just that I had become accustomed to chasing money, but not seeking wisdom. Like, not really going after anything else. And I wasn't chasing money because I was a bad person. Sometimes when people hear my little tag, chase purpose, not money, they're like, what do you mean chase purpose? You know, chase money or that I'm chasing money. You know, I grew up in the hood. I grew up in South Central Los Angeles. So I grew up seeing everything that a child should not see from gang violence to you know, ducking from drive-by shootings to prostitution to people, you know, shooting up drugs in the alley. I saw all of that. And the only thing that I knew is if I go to school and get a good education, like they say on TV, like they say on the shows, that I could get some money and I don't have to live here because I'm not coming back. I told my mom that when I got my acceptance to USC, I said, when I leave, I'm not coming back. And I never did go back. And so I had built this Whole business and brand and life around chasing more money just to make sure that I never had to go back there and make sure that when I had kids, they wouldn't have to see what I saw growing up. And chasing money looked like doing deals for the sake of doing deals because it was going to be about money, not necessarily about anything else, you know? And I didn't do bad deals, I just didn't always do wise deals. They didn't have a greater purpose. You know, there was nothing behind it. It was just, okay, I can make another 50, another 100 or whatever. I'm going to just do it and worry about the rest later. And what God showed me is that I had been chasing money. I hadn't sought wisdom. And what I promised God is that, you know, not if, but when you restore me, when my life is rebuilt, I'm going to do everything that I can to go everywhere I can and teach people that this journey is not about chasing money. It's about seeking wisdom because if you have the wisdom, you'll always be able to maintain yes. the money. A lot of us get money and then like us, Stephen, we lose it. And we put so much stock in what's in our bank account, what's in our portfolio, what are we driving? How big is our house? You know, what neighborhood do we live in? But we don't really put stock in the fitness piece like I talked about, or we really don't put stock in building relationships that matter or making sure that our faith is on point, you know, because when everything is going good, it's like a lot of us don't even need faith. You know, we're doing everything in our own strength and we don't put stock in the other areas of life that matter. And so when I really started to research this thing and unpack it and God started start to show me that you got to go deeper. You can't stay surface forever and think that like, the world would be at your fingertips. Like everything can't be so surface level and shallow. You have to go deeper. And so I started doing things like Googling wealth, (laughs) looking up the word wealth. And what it showed me is that the first definition or two, they talk about money. It talks about material possessions. It talks about accounts and stuff like that. But when you go deeper and you get down, maybe sometimes depending on what you're looking at, the sixth or seventh definition, actual Mm -hmm. 12th century definition of wealth is the wow. condition of well being. In other words, happiness or dang. fulfillment. And I was like, well, dang, how come nobody ever says that? How come no one ever talks about that? And I'm like, man, you know, what would it look like to use the wisdom that God is giving me to explore that, to unpack that? So immediately I started a blog the free blogspot.com. I had no, it's still up to this day. Seek wisdom, find blogspot.com I've never taken it down because I always want to remind people that you have to start somewhere. So I never want people to see, you know, how nice Patrice Washington.com is and then try to compare themselves to me at this stage okay. in the journey. You know, I'm like, I got started with that and it got me a lot of great opportunities. And so, you know, when I really, when I got started, I was just like, man, I just want to unpack Proverbs and really look at how we can apply this to you know, our practical everyday life. And I just started to share, but I'm going to be honest with you, that freeblogspot.com turned into me writing for sites like hellobeautiful.com and Black Enterprise. I became a regular contributor for Upscale Magazine and Sheen Magazine. I started to be invited to talk on different radio segments. And then after years of that, you know, thousands of words written, (laughs) hundreds of interviews, then I got the opportunity to get on the Steve Harvey Morning Show where I still have a weekly segment that's been about four years now and do all this other stuff. But the problem is when all that came and people were starting to hire me, Stephen, to do things, to come on shows or to do segments, I started to get pigeonholed into talking about budgets and credit reports and debt elimination. And while I was building America's Money Maven, the brand on that, that's not the stuff that I was focused on in my real life that's not what i was doing like the pillars that i talk about those literally were the things that i was really working on the practices the spiritual rituals just the ways of being like that's the stuff i was working on that's the stuff my husband was working on because at the height of all this not only when did we go from a seven figure business to scraping up change my husband took a job at Taco Bell. He went from tailored suits and traveling first class and doing his thing. He took a job at Taco Bell and not for a couple of days, for 18 months. And while he was at Taco Bell and I was figuring things out myself, taking any little odd job I could get, mm-hmm. the things that we worked on are exactly what I talk about in the pillars. And I got to this point where I got to this point, Stephen, where I looked in the mirror and I was like, I Promised God that I would share everything that I did. How the heck did I get trapped into only doing these little sound bites? When people ask me how I got off my brother's couch, which, which is where I landed after living in New Orleans, I was on my brother's couch in 2009 in Atlanta. And they said, How did you get off the couch? How are you sitting on this couch across from Steve Harvey? Or how are you, you know, on all these shows? Like, what's the in between? I found myself talking in these little perfectly packaged sound bites because I thought that that's what people could accept. You know, that's your personal finance expert now. Like you've written all these books on money and this is what people want. And a couple of years ago, God started to deal with me and was like, but that's not what I told you to do. Like, you done got out of order now, and got your finances together. <laughs> you living good again. You know, you built this multiple six-figure business and my husband has his own seven-figure business and we've been completely restored, thank God. But he's like, you're not telling people the truth. Like, you gotta tell them the truth about wealth. You have to tell them what you've been studying, not what you think they wanna hear, not what you think is acceptable. And so last year, I just said, back to why, you you know, you asked me about my transparency. I was like, I don't care what people think anymore. Like, I don't care whether you, you know, think that vision boards and dream journals and affirmations or, you know, building relationships that matter and being someone who gives and gives and gives without sliding people's DMs, asking for things, you know, when you don't even know them, you know, if you think that, Having an altar in your closet is crazy, which we do, and meditation and all these things have nothing to do with it. Like I don't care whether you think it works or not, or you think that I'm being woo-woo or whatever, because at the end of the day, I don't live paycheck to paycheck, and I don't look at budgets and credit reports all day. This is the work that I do, and doing this work and actually walking other women in particular through doing this work is what has attracted opportunities of a lifetime. I didn't ask to be on the Steve Harvey show every week. That was given to me. That was put in my lap. I didn't ask to be on the Steve Harvey show a couple of weeks ago. I thought when his show left Chicago that I was a rap. And then they called me and said, can you come back? I didn't ask to be, I wouldn't even know to ask for this stuff. That's how you know it's real. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't even know to pray for the opportunities that I've gotten. I just wanted to help people. I just wanted to share my story and restore hope. And I said, I was willing to say it or do it in front of whoever or whatever. I didn't ask the woman today for 13 Speaking gigs. I thought we were talking about one or two. You know, like I didn't, I didn't ask. And that's what I want people to get. Like You don't have to chase every freaking opportunity. You don't have to stab people in the back to get ahead. You don't have to be one of these women I'm like, oh, I don't do other women. Like you don't have to show up this way. Like you don't have to do this. You don't have to not sleep at night. I'm not saying that you don't have to work hard, but you don't have to run yourself in the ground, you know, and ruin every relationship that you have and neglect, you know, that still small voice that is trying to get to you and take a job that's outside of your purpose when you know that's not what you're called to do. Like you don't have to do get rich quick schemes to be wealthy. You don't, you don't. And if you just focus on all these other areas of life where you need to be fulfilled, because be clear, lack of fulfillment is what leads to financial mismanagement. Lack of fulfillment, if you work on being fulfilled Like the true definition of wealth says in all these areas of life, everything that you want will be added to you. It will come. And I know that we hear that so much. Oh, follow your purpose. And, you know, the money will come and people get tired of hearing that. And I'm a little tired of hearing it because we don't talk about the practical things you have to do to follow your purpose or to work in your passion. Like there's so many other elements of that that have nothing to do with what your gifts are. It has to do with how you're grooming yourself in every area of your life and Like, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm just going, you see, I get so passionate about it. I just, I feel like I'm just here to call people to this awakening of the truth about wealth. If you would stop making it all about money, all the money you want will come to you.
0: Absolutely, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Patrice, I have about six other questions. You know, I know you're deliberate about your focus on women. So maybe let's connect the dots for women listening, right? Brothers, Mm -hmm. keep taking notes. Patrice, <laughs> why why do you think so many of our women aren't taking care of themselves and focusing in on their well-being?
1: You know, I call it not superwoman syndrome, but wonder woman syndrome. Like I, and I, I think I need to like really trademark that because I haven't heard anyone else say it, but I've really been looking at this, you know, really intensely for like the last several months in particular. and. As women, we are so conditioned to take care of and save everyone else, right? But ourselves, like we, I don't, I'm pretty sure at this point, if you're anything like my husband and I, you and your wife, you know, I will make sure my husband goes to the doctor. Like I will make sure that he goes to the dentist. If he says, ow, I'm calling, you know, like I'm on it. But sometimes I get in the habit of, you know, being like, ouch, 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 a couple days longer than I would allow for him or my daughter. You know, I'm so focused on making sure that they're cool. And I was raised by some really strong, single, independent Caribbean women (laughs) who just taught me that you make it work, like you make things happen. But so often that comes to our own detriment, that we worry about everyone else and we come second. And I call it superwoman syndrome is about going from this idea of women being the homemaker, you know, in the 60s. And then in the 70s, they went from being the homemaker to also working woman who had all this stuff to balance. They say balance. Right. But then Wonder Woman, the creator of Wonder Woman, this guy said Wonder Woman should have power and strength and be strong as a man, but have the grace and poise and peace and ability to love, you know, like a tender woman. I'm like, man, you laying it on thick. This is a lot, you know. And in our society, we have all these expectations of women. But what I run into so often is that these expectations make women suffer in silence. Like we don't feel like it's okay for us to say, I can't take anymore. Like I'm tired. Being your personal ATM is wearing me out you know like it's hard for us to say no and to commit to not letting other people's lack of planning be our emergency because we're the ones in the family that have made it we're the ones that everyone comes to for advice we're the ones that everyone depends on but then where do we go even as a a strong woman myself who has a loving and supportive and doting husband sometimes because i was raised by single women i have to remember that i don't have to be who they were like i do have A helpmate as well. I do have a partner in this, and I don't have to shoulder everything. I don't have to be America's money maven and then world's best mom. You know, they even (laughs) let me off the hook. I don't even cook, Stephen. Like, that's not what I do. (laughs) It's not a strength of mine at all. My daughter told me one time, like, mom, we just, we love you. Just stop.
0: Just stop. This is not what you do. (laughs) You know, you and Gerald Red dropped the ball. No. Oh my gosh, like I have goosebumps right now. You have to bring Tiffany Dufu on <laughs> to talk about it. You have to buy her book. Promise me you buy her Drop book. Drop the ball, okay. <laughs> Drop the ball. This is exactly what Tiffany's talking about. Oh, in her book.
1: good. That sounds good.
0: You're going to love it. Oh, cool. And so much in perspective for me, because I think in my head, I think I'm being an active dad when you women are doing <laughs> like, you know double what we're doing and more right yeah and my wife but, has said you know so much of that to me and i realized through reading this book how much i was mm-hmm. not being you know involved in so much i just assumed that she had it covered you know
1: yeah cuz because we put on but that's the thing so this is your tender sweet loving beautiful wife and then you still see her as this strong and powerful and, you know, amazing woman who can make everything happen. And so in keeping up with what that persona or perception is, we get lost sometimes. And, you know, one of the things you talked about, like, I think you asked me a bit about how you kind of focus on this every day, because you're always evolving, right? Like one of the things that I have on my altar is this little card in my closet. It says, Dear Patrice, surrender. Thanks, God. And, I look at that every day, and that was actually my word. I was on a show on Centric by BET called The Round, and we each had a word. It was like a TED Talk for empowering Black women, and my word was surrender. And every day, I have to remind myself that I don't have to walk around trying to balance. I don't even believe in balance. I believe in harmony, but trying to balance all these things and keep this cape on And do all this stuff. Like, it's that reminder that I can ask for help. I can say, I don't know what I don't know. You know, I can, like, it's never been a time when I asked my husband for help and he wasn't like, oh, okay. But he was so used to me for so many years acting like I could balance it all and stressing myself out when all I had to do was say, hey, you pick her up. She's yours too. You're not babysitting. That's your child. Nobody says I'm babysitting her, right? Like, that's your kid. Like, you do it. And he's like, oh, okay. It's like, no problem. But we don't even know. And so, the women that I work with, and really, I focus on women, Stephen, just because I am one. I've never been anything else. And I just feel like we speak the same language. But I'm very grateful because I have a lot of men that enjoy redefining wealth. They tell me all the time. But I focus on women in particular because I just know what it's like to have this public persona and to have this great title and career. And publicly, you look wonderful, but behind the scenes, you're falling apart. You know, like behind the scenes, you may be emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally just bankrupt. And people think because you have the title or the house or the clothes or the nice car or the the husband or the cute kids or the whatever that everything is A-OK. And it's really not. And it's really hard for a career woman who has the title and you know, or a solopreneur or, or a small business owner who looks like they have it going on. It's really hard and it's embarrassing and you feel guilty and you feel ashamed when you look at yourself and go, but how can I have Such an awesome public persona and feel this way? How can I have such a full life and yet be so unfulfilled behind the scenes? You know, like how have I let myself become a public success and quietly a private failure, like deep down? And it wouldn't make sense to anyone else. And the women that I support, one, I just want them to know that I feel you, I hear you, I see you, I understand what that's like. And the answer is not another razor promotion. The answer is not adding more products you know, to the catalog. The answer is not so many of these things that we look at on the outside. It's us really getting clear on the things on the inside we have to work on. And man, I'm telling you, dude, when you stand in that, it's like the whole world opens up.
0: Yes. Yes. So true. So true. Patrice, I can't believe I'm up on time. I could talk to you for another time.
1: Oh man, that was so good. I can't believe it went by that quickly.
0: We'll have to do a part two on this, but before <laughs> we let you go, there are a couple of questions that, you know, our trailblazers love to tap into the resources of our guests. And I'd love to invite you to maybe share any good books that you've read recently and would maybe recommend to our Blazer Nation.
1: Well, you know what, one book that hasn't yet come out, but it's coming, I'm reading it now because she's going to be a guest on my podcast, Marshawn Evans Daniels, Believe Bigger is amazing. So for anyone who's really working on their purpose, but then aligning their purpose with every other area of their life, it's like, it's so funny. It's like for such a time as this, so many people are raising up with these messages that coincide. So that's one for me, a great one right now. And also Wealth Can't Wait. I don't know if you've heard of that. Wealth Can't Wait. It's by David Osborne and Paul Morris. And these guys are like in the Keller Williams family, but own hundreds of properties. And it's funny. You would think that the book is all about money, but I start digging in and it's like a flip version of Redefining Wealth written by two white (laughs) men. It is incredible. It's incredible. So those are the two things on my desk right now. I love to read books simultaneously. Oh, and then You're a Badass by Jen Sincero. I'm also reading that, which is also awesome.
0: Love it. Love it. I have to get my Paul Brunson game on and start reading like three a day. (laughs) (laughs) So last question for you, and we'll wrap up here. What's one action that you think our community should take this week that's gonna help them to blaze their trail?
1: One action you can take this week that's going to help you blaze the trail, decide that you're ready to be wealthy. Like make a choice. Everything comes with a decision. And I believe that decisions come in two forms. Some people make a decision and they're interested in it and some are committed to it. And people who are interested in it Will listen to this interview, Steven, and then they'll be like, oh, okay, that was nice. And they'll wait for your next episode. But people who are committed are going to take whatever nuggets did come out of this and start to apply it immediately, whether that's taking care of themselves, like taking a freaking nap, going to sleep, eating, you know, when you should, what you should, signing up for therapy, or getting back in whatever routine with your spiritual practices. It's like, Too many people are interested. It sounds nice, but wealth is a choice. That's another great book by Dr. Dennis Kimbrough, who's also a mentor of mine. Like Wealth is a choice. You get to choose what you're going to be interested in versus what you're going to be committed to. And if you're committed to building true and lasting wealth, then you'll make a choice to stop making everything about money because that hasn't worked and start diving in to The other pillars, the pillars that matter the most.
0: Yes. And you teed it up perfectly. Tell our listeners about your podcast and how they can stay connected with you.
1: Well, everything about me is at patricewashington.com. And you can check out the podcast there as well as on iTunes. We even have it on YouTube now. So there's no excuse. (laughs) And I also release videos. Used to be weekly, but I fell in better alignment with doing them monthly. And theming them. So you can always find me on YouTube. And I love Instagram. I'm on Facebook and Twitter as well. But Instagram is my jam right now. So Seek Wisdom PCW, my initial Seek Wisdom PCW. And let me know that you heard me on this podcast, on this episode. I love being able to thank, you know, just thank your community and know that where they came from, that it's your tribe. So let me know that Steven is how you met me. And I try to reply to everyone. If you're nice, I'm nice. So
0: (laughs) that's right. That's right. Patrice. thank you so much. I appreciate having you on and, and sharing in this amazing conversation with you.
1: Same here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much
0: well that's it for today thanks again for listening to this episode of the trailblazers podcast i'll be posting links to all of today's book recommendations and links mentioned on our show notes page at tbpod.com if today was your first time listening to the trailblazers podcast i just want to extend a warm trailblazers welcome to you we're so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app Go ahead and browse through some of our past episodes to keep the knowledge flowing. If you're a fan of the podcast and today's content and you're maybe already subscribed to the podcast, please continue to share and invite your friends, your family, or colleagues to listen to an episode that you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories will be moved